Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I hope you're all well, inshallah. We have uh, with us today dear brother of mine. Uh, I've known for a long time now. I was actually at your nikah, funnily enough, isn't it? Subhanallah, yes. Mashallah, yes. I was there for your for the best times. You're there through it all, bro. I was there through it all, man. Subhanallah. Welcome, uh, brother Zain Mia. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi How are you? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Alhamdulillah, I'm well. Really uh, pleased to meet you. I've always wanted to. Uh, yeah, uh, come face to face with you. I've been a fan. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's not get into the formalities now. Yeah, listen, we've been on Umrah together. I was there for your nikah, alhamdulillah, and we went for Umrah together. So I think you know we, we've, done we've, we've done it all. We've alhamdulillah, done it all. man, we've done it all. Alhamdulillah. And on the topic of Umrah, mm. obviously we're going to be. So look, we're in we're in the the blessed days right now. Of Hajj, um, day of Arafah, Yom Nahar, day of sacrifice, mm-hmm. all of that's coming up right now. So these are the core days of Hajj, right? Yes. So I want to start with that. Obviously, it's it's only right that we do an episode mm-hmm. dedicated to to Hajj. First and foremost, by the way, I'm really sad I'm not there. I don't know how you're feeling, right? Obviously, it's the same. I was right? there. So you last there. year I was there. This time, so were you there last year? Yes, yeah, oh, I was there last year. Yeah, it's sad, man. I haven't been. I haven't been for for Hajj. I've Inshallah been Umrah soon. five times. Alhamdulillah. Um, but I know obviously Hajj is the obligation, it's the pillar, and yeah, it's sad, man. Every year it's that it's that empty feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah. But khair, alhamdulillah, inshallah, when the invite comes, it comes. Yeah. With us here in the UK, actually, we're very lucky to be honest with you. Mm. If if once we have the money, pretty much once once you have your money, you can get there. But other countries, obviously, you know the situation mm-hmm. better. Mm. They won't get in uh, as easy because of the whole quota system. Um, but let's talk about Hajj. So since you were there last year, I thought it was a few years back. So Okay, since you were there last year, what is it like? Because we've been Umrah yeah, together, yeah, yeah. yeah. So out of the five trips, I went with you once, for Umrah, alhamdulillah, just last year as well. Um, but what is the what would you say is the difference? Like what what is different with Hajj? I know it's longer, there's mm-hmm. more things to do, but so have you have you been uh, to Umrah in Ramadan? No, I haven't been Umrah okay. in Ramadan. So I would say the buzz, right? Yeah. That actual, you know, like a bee, you know, that buzz mm. of a bee, right? Imagine that with about 50, 60 bees around you, right? So Umrah is like one bee, right? Okay. And then Hajj is like 25, 50 bees. And Ramadan is similar, like 25, 50 okay. bees all around you. Like, subhanAllah, like, just, just before I, I came on the show, mm. one of the brothers, he sent us a video, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think he's one in one of the uh, kind of hotels. And uh, he's, he's, he's just sending us messages and videos and updates because we were with him last year. Mm. He's fortunate enough to be there with uh, the Hujjaj this year. And he sent us a video of him like on a luggage. Yeah. And it's like an automatic luggage or something like that. And he's just <laughs> going around and it's fun. This is yeah. what it is, right? Hajjaz, even though it's worship, yeah. the fact is you're around people you know. Mm. You're around people that you don't know. You meet new friends. You meet old friends. Uh, and it really just brings everything together. And it, it's almost like you you become a muslim once again and it's yeah. almost like you 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 know hear about islam the first time like the way it is there yeah. it's like it's all new to you subhanallah i can't i can't imagine it man. you can't just, you yeah, can't yeah, you, you can't, can't like it, it doesn't matter things you have to yeah go. it's you one of those things like even even mm. myself before i went yeah i used to think oh i've been hajj you know uh, sorry i've been umrah a few times right i'm sure yeah. i know how things are right i yeah. know I've been to Arafah, even like on the days of Umrah, mm-hmm. like you were there with us, you can go to Arafah, you yeah. can go to Muzdalifa, you can see all of these different areas. But, you know, yeah, it's nothing, no comparison. Yeah. When you're in Hajj, there is no comparison. Like, you know, one of the key comparisons is, you know, you're not going to be able to experience uh, Muzdalifa, the sleeping Muzdalifa, you know, yeah, you know yeah, during yeah. Umrah times. You can go there and see the planes, but that's as far as you go. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't matter how many 
videos you watch, yeah. how many people you speak to, unless you've been to Hajj, you're not going to get the same feeling. Mm. What would you say, um, from your experience, what was the highlight of Hajj? What stood out for you when you went? What was the main thing? So, I can picture it now, bro. Mm. Like, so, there's a sign, right? And if you if you watch videos on Hajj, you'll see yeah. there's a sign which says Arafah begins here, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a sign that Arafah ends here, yeah. right? So, picture this, right? Just like I'm sitting now, uh, I remember I was sitting on, you know, those plastic, you know, uh, like in, in countries where they have weddings and you go to the halls and they're a bit cheaper and they're a bit smaller yeah. and you get those plastic uh, chairs. Yeah, 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 you know those ones, know right? Yeah, Like the garden chairs. Yeah, those, those ones, ones, right? Yeah, I should have just said garden chairs, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I was on one of those. Yeah. yeah. You had one of the legs kind of broken. So, I was kind of moving like this constantly, right? Okay. And imagine, right, you're there in Arafah all day and... A lot of people, when they think about Arafah, they think of one mountain, yeah, mm. and they can't picture that. How are two point five six million people going to fit on a mountain? Yeah. The reality is, it's not. Like you can be in a tent and mm. you're still in Arafah, right? So separate to the Mina tents, there is a there are tents in Arafah. Yeah, uh, there are different plains, different areas, mm. and so I remember I was just behind one of the tents. I was on this chair and I was facing the sun. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sitting there, I've got my hands out, I'm making dua, I'm making dua, I'm making dua, I'm making dua, I'm making more dua, right? And you see the sun and it's slowly just dropping. Yeah, mm. you can see it just slowly in that edge, right? Yeah. Slowly going down and down. And I remember the where it says Arafa ends here, it's almost like the sun was just going behind that sign. Okay. And you know those films where someone's about to leave and you're like don't go, you're, no, don't go and you're trying to scream out to them and shout out to them and say, look, wait, 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 yeah, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't go yet. It's like that. Yeah, you're just uh -huh. literally there and you're just saying to that son, just wait a few more minutes. Let me just mm. make those extra du'as. So for me, that was like, and I think for a lot of people, because <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, you know, on the plains of Arafah, there's no tall buildings. And so yeah. you can see the sun yeah, mm. and you can see it from, you know, from its peak all the way as it's going down. So for me, that's like the pivotal moment. Uh, and they say, right? Arafah is Hajj, they say exactly, it right, and yeah. that's what it is. Wow. Because, yeah, like, like you said, we've been, like you can visit during the times of Umrah, but to be there where you're surrounded by millions mm. of hujjaj and pilgrims, I can't imagine how that must feel. And then just getting all those du'as in. You know, I think some people, they think, you know, how can you make du'a for that long? You can do it. You know, but you can, right? Yeah. When you're there, you can just... But you, you go it. through phases, you know, like you're not going to be sitting there like with your hands up, just crying just the whole way, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, there are times where you're going to have to say, I have to think of something sad yeah, yeah. to get into that state of mm. crying. So there were many moments that I was crying and then I stopped and then I was okay. And then I was like, I'm a bit hungry. Yeah. So then you go, you get something, you get a bit of water, you come back and then you're like, right, I need to get back into it because mm. you're, you're worried that you're going to miss this and yeah, you might yeah. never come back here again. Mm. And then you have to think again, you have to think about it. And one of the most beautiful things that one of the, the scholars who was with us said is that if you want to really feel uh, the kind of feeling of uh, an immensity of Arafah and you mm. want to get into that mode, you have to think about your sins. And that's mm. where you start. Like when you are on the plains of Arafah, you start thinking about every single thing you did wrong, uh, you know, whether it's as a Muslim or a human being, yeah. that's when you start and then, you know, your feelings will just come from there. Mm. But you know that, you know, the feeling of seeing um, that many people around mm. you and obviously, you know, shrouded in white mm. and, and all of that, right? It doesn't it just remind you of the day of judgment, yeah. like, and that is what it's supposed to basically be. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting is the fact that 
in Suratul Hajj. Mm. So there's an entire chapter yeah. in the Quran dedicated to Hajj, right? And when you read the beginning parts of it, there's no mention of Hajj yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. No mention of Hajj. And the only thing that's mentioned is the Day of Judgment. Right, so the first wording, like you know, oh, you know, oh mankind, you know, fear your Lord, have taqwa, and then and fear the shaking of the day of judgment. And it goes into, you know, how the people will be running around, and mm. Allah says that they're almost going to be like um, in a drunken state, yeah. but they're not drunk. They're not That's what Allah says, right? Because they just don't know what's happening, they don't know what's going on. You know, imagine just waking up, seeing all these people around you, right? And then that's the interesting thing. The scholars are they, they when they when they commentate on on this surah, they say that. Why is Allah speaking about Day of Judgment and mm. you know uh, the, the details of this day? And later on, He has a bit of mention about Hajj, mm. you know, Ibrahim and yeah. answering his call and all of that. What's the link? And yeah. that is the link. The link is on the Day of Judgment, right? That picture is exactly pretty much what you're seeing on the Day of Arafah. Yeah, you are. But do you know what's the 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 upsetting thing about that is mm. like a lot of people who actually make the preparations for Hajj, yeah, right? Like a lot of uh, the kind of seminars and stuff that we go to, mm. right? It takes a long while before we get into that, okay. right? So uh, as you mentioned, right, Surah Hajj, it talks, you know, very much about the Day of Judgment, but later on, right? Mm. Now, a lot of us, when we're preparing about Hajj, the first thing we're thinking about is what do I need to pack? Mm. Like, what do I pack? What am I going to miss out? What's there? Will I have a mattress? Will I have pillows? What it is, right? Mm. But actually, you know, this whole congregation, which is actually like, you know, some scholars say it's the most regular uh, most annual, regular, and largest congregation in the world, right? There's mm. no other kind of congregation like it ever on earth. Mm. I think like once or twice, maybe like over, you know, different decades, there are one or two, but they're very like anomalies. Mm. They're not like mm. constant. Um, and it is like, it's it's that congregation of, of Muslims from all over the world. Like they say, right? Uh, Muslims will come from every crevice, yeah. right? Every, uh, you know, different land, every nature. Mm. Um, and they do, but... You know, the beautiful thing is in that moment when I was in that chair, like you forget people around you. Like mm. you are amongst 2.5 million. But when you start to feel that connection and you feel that in that, get in that mode, you even like people near you, you start to forget that they're mm. there. So, but uh, again, that is what's going to happen. On yeah. That's what yeah, Allah says. Alone, the, right? the, the son it's is running you. away from the mother. The brother is running away from his siblings. That's literally yeah. what's going to happen. You forget everyone. And, and the crazy thing is you're in the actual ihram, which is literally yeah. the white shroud. Which is exactly what you're going to be yeah. your uniform, in other words, right, to mark the next life. Uh, and then even uh, I know, obviously, I haven't been for Hajj, so I wouldn't know, but I know people who have gone, yeah. and before they go, it's as if they're preparing to never come back, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. you, you're like you sit with your family, yeah. you ask for forgiveness from everyone. What is that feeling like before you go? I, I'll tell you, right, what happened with me. Funny story, right? Yeah. So. You know, as Muslims, we're supposed to ensure that we have our will. You know, mm. it's all set up, affairs in order. Yeah. Uh, and definitely, like, you know, a, a really top advice for every Muslim who's planning to go to Hajj is to get those affairs in order as much as you can, yeah. right? Uh, and a will is part of that. So what I did is um, I wrote my will, right? And I was kind of like a year into my marriage now. My wife had gone to Hajj uh, the year before, so she wasn't going. So I was going mm. by myself. Um, my father passed away two years before. So for me, it was like... There's a lot there because mm -hmm. I've got a lot of responsibility I need to think about, you know, what happens to my wife, what happens to my mother. There's so much, right? Yeah. So I wrote my will out and I put it in envelopes. And the idea is that I'll give one to my uh, nephew, my cousin brother, and one to my wife. And I wrote on there that if I don't return from Hajj, then you open this and you kind of action it. But if I do return, then you give it back to me on this date, right? Because there was a lot of stuff in there that was very close to me. Mm -hmm. And like things that, for example, like, you know, I can share it like, 
you know, one of the things that we don't think about is what happens with, you know, the people that we have a connection with after we leave this earth. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things I had to think about is that, you know, for me, uh, you know, in my home, it's just me and my mother. And so I was thinking like, okay, like I'm newly married, right? If I go on Hajj and I don't come back, like, does my wife stay here? Like mm. she's going to be thinking like, do I stay here? Do I not? Yeah, like yeah. There's, there's that issue, right? And even that I had to think about in my will. Mm. But the funniest thing was I took it with me. <laughs> like I put, I, I prepared it all. I put it in the envelopes <laughs> and then I put it in my bag. And then I go to Hajj and I'm like, oh, oh I've got it with me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. So then I had to kind of like get a PDF version, send it to an email and then kind of just hope yeah, that yeah. they'll find it one day. But Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah brought me back. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's really important to to get those affairs in order because you, yeah. you, you have to... And and not just Hajj for, you know, every journey we should think that way. Uh, but definitely for Hajj because you're going on something. And I think th there is a part of people that hope that something, you know, inshallah, like if, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen there. Yeah. Like, you know, I yeah, think people yeah, yeah. go with that preparation that, you know what, mm. if my time is coming, then let it be, you know, in these lands, in mm. this kind of act of worship. Last quick question on just on Hajj before we mm. move on is there's a, there's a mindset, I think, in a lot of people, especially nowadays, or maybe it's it's been like that, you know, throughout, is that, you know, I don't feel um, I don't feel ready for Hajj. You know, there's that, there's that, there's that mm. feeling. I don't feel ready. You know, like I'm mm. going to go there. Allah's going to wipe my slate clean. I'm going to come back and I'm going to go back to sin again. Um, so maybe I just delay Hajj. So there's a lot of people that are in the position of going for Hajj. They're able to go financially and all of the other conditions are met. Um, but, you know, spiritually, there's that state of, well, I'm not worthy, or I don't feel like going, even though they can. Yeah. What would your advice be, you know, to, to those kind of people? Because at the end of the day, I don't think any of us are really worthy, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of yeah, His yeah. mercy, He invites us and He forgives us, even though we come from a, a background of sin. Um, but what would, you, what would your advice be to those people? I would say, like, I'm, I'm thinking the concept of Umrah and Hajj, yeah. right? And... The reality is the first time I went to Umrah, right? Yeah. I, I'll share very briefly about the first time I went. The first time I was, I went, I was like in different places. Like my life was, I wouldn't say it was like destructive, but I wasn't like really praying five times a day. Yeah. I wasn't doing everything uh, that I hoped to do or that I should have been doing as a good Muslim, right? And I remember my mom came and said, look, I'm going to Umrah with your uncle. Do you want to go with me? Mm. And in my mind, I was like, nah, I'm not ready for that life. Like, I want to chill out. I yeah. want to do all that stuff, right? And just like, you know, what you're saying there is, I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't that I'm not ready as I don't have the courage. It's like, I'm not ready to let go of what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not ready to go, let go of the friends I have now, the life I have now. Because there's this whole thing that you can't have fun when you start to practice. Like, yeah, there's this yeah, whole yeah. idea that you can't have fun and you can't have friends and life won't be the same. And so I thought... Actually, you know what? Let me test myself. Like, let me try it out. So I said to my mom, yeah, cool. But if I'm really honest, now I think about it, right? Even that, in some way, like somewhere, like in my mind, I probably just said, yeah, because I wanted to show others that, yeah, I'm going to go Umrah. Mm. Yeah, like just to be like, you know, the cool guy mm. that went to Umrah at an earlier age, right? So I went there and I remember even on the plane, I put my ihram on and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, where am I going? And I'm thinking like, oh, man, I've got to change things now. Like, people are going to say I'm an idiot. I've come back and I'm still doing, you know, I'm not involved in and I'm yeah. not praying well. So I thought, all right, cool, let's see what happens. I land and then, bro, the rest, like, you know, it's history, bro. Things changed. Mm. And, you know, I, I always say to people, whoever are planning to go to Umrah, like, alhamdulillah, you know, because it's been a few years now that I've been involved in things such as Umrah and Hajj, yeah. a lot of people come and say, look, how is it? And I say to them, look, those first two days, you're going to go through depression. 
Like, mm. and I'm not talking about depression where you isolate yourself. I'm talking about that. You're going to be in that state of like upset, yeah. sadness, uh, like loneliness by yourself. That worry, like, what did I do? Why did I spend my life on? Mm. How did 26, 27 years pass by and I still haven't done X, Y, Z? And the rest is happiness. Like you, you go through that, you cry. It's like you know they say that cleansing, right? Yeah. So you have that <clears throat> spiritual cleansing, but here you have that physical. You actually cry. Mm. You know, you you remove so much of that. Uh, kind of pass from you and then you start to build yourself up so the one advice that I had for any single person yeah, and I sincerely believe this like a lot of people challenge me on this they say look you know if someone's going through like let's say you know they're not praying they're into loads of things that they shouldn't be involved in you know and they're going to go umrah but then they're going to come back and they're going to live their life I mm. say you know what it doesn't matter like go yeah. because if you are going through some of the worst stages in your life right like and I, I, I wasn't even there. I was like halfway, right? But even if you are like going through the worst, worst kind of practices, let's just mm. say, you don't know what could happen. You might go to Umrah, right? Mm. And you might see something. You might feel something. Someone might say something to you mm. and it might completely change the way you think. You'll come back from Umrah and you'll say, actually, you know what? I want to better myself. I want to do something else. I want to spend my life in a different way. Mm. So the advice I would say to people is, if people say to you, look, you're not ready, you're not going, even if shaitan says to you, you're not ready, right? Just take, just test it out. Just take mm. that trip. If you can, you know, put something together. And not just for those people who are thinking for themselves, am I ready? But even for parents who are thinking about their children, mm. right? I genuinely believe that if you have the means to, to send your children to Umrah, whether it's with you or in a group, like there's loads of good groups out there now, yeah. do it. But it is the best holiday or trip that you can send them on. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything like it. It's, it's a really good point you mentioned that. You know what? It reminds me of a story, right? Um, of the Sheikh. And mm. he basically says that one day he was traveling. And whilst he's traveling, he basically uh, gets intercepted. And, yeah. you know, there's highway robbers, right? So these robbers come and they take everything he has. He has these goods and he has a lot of food on him, things that he can go and sell in the marketplace. And they take everything that he has, right? But then he realizes that the main guy who's leading this this, mm. this, this, this band, right, of, of robbers and and uh, um, and these, whatever you want to call it, right? Bandits. Yeah, bandits. That's it. That's the word. So the main guy, he realizes that, you know, he tells everyone, oh, yeah, you know what, just start eating his food, this guy's food and whatever. But he's not eating. So the sheikh looks at him mm. and he's like, why are you not eating for? You're like, you, you just robbed me. Mm. You took everything I have. At least eat something, isn't it? And he's like, no, I'm fasting. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so he's like, Ajeev, you know, like, wow. you're robbing me, right? You're committing such a major sin and then you're fasting. Like, how does that make sense? And he's like, don't worry about it, you know, like maybe this fast might benefit me one day, right? Anyway, fast forward. Later on, what happens is a few months later, maybe a few years later, the sheikh, he's gone for hajj, right? And he's doing tawaf and he sees that guy there, that same robber. He sees him there and he's like, hey, I, I recognize you. What are you he's doing like, here? No, 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 it wasn't yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, bro. It's not yeah, me. He's like, I recognize you. What are you doing here? And he's like, you know, I've changed my life around. And he said to the sheikh, you know that one fast I kept that day That's what made me change my life SubhanAllah yeah. That one deed Right Changed his life So A lot of the time You know when we're feeling like No I'm not worthy no, mm. None of us are worthy We're all sinners right We all, we all make mistakes But You know And like you said the, Flip it around the opposite Where you might go there For Umrah or for Hajj And you might experience something Which Is just going to click yeah. Something will happen, and we've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it. Like you and I, we've it's seen like it. Almost every case, there will something. Exactly. something There's will always happen. something, and and if not, 
then even if a person comes back and goes back to their normal lifestyle, they will never forget that feeling. Mm. And one day they will they will desire to taste that same feeling, you know, so they can nourish their soul again. And they might go back or they might do it. It always happens. Right. So finalize, there's always that thing. And, you know, um, I, I just think my, my advice would be to anyone that wants to go for Umrah Hajj is... Obviously, you have to do what you can, what's in your means. You mm. can't just make du'a and not save up yeah. and not and not prepare. That's one thing. You have to do that. But you have to have like a, a, a proper niyyah, like a very strong intention niyyah. And, and you have to be resolute. You have mm. to be determined to go. Um, and I genuinely believe that if you have that and you genuinely believe, yeah, Allah, you have to invite me mm. and have to go. Yeah, Allah will invite you. Yeah. And, and I've experienced it, man. Like even last year, 2018, yeah. I was supposed to go. So, so prior to 2018, I had been for four years in, on, in a row. Mm. Four years in a row. So I was like, I'm guaranteed going this year. Fifth year in a row, I'm going. And I went, every year I went, uh, from I think 2012 or 13, I went in February. To Umrah. Yeah, to Umrah. Mm. Yeah. So I went February time, Umrah, Umrah, Umrah. Four years in a row, I did like that. So come 2018, February 2018, I was like, I'm going. I don't care. That's my ticket. But it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out financially. There's there's a couple of problems, and I was so gutted, mm. so gutted. Subhanallah, I couldn't go. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. I said I'm going this year. I'm gonna go, and I was making du'a like mm. proper du'a, right? And then what happened was I got an invite to go for Hajj actually, for free, mm. yeah, to present on on television. And then what happened was I was really excited. I was like, oh my god, you know, maybe Allah has answered this du'a and, and whatever it is, right? Uh, and then what happened was there wasn't enough visas in the end. So even that got cancelled. I was imagine like so second time in a year. Free and it- yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was a few months on, you know, summertime mm. last year. I couldn't go. I was like, I don't care, man. There's only three, four months left of the year. I'm going. I don't care. Something ha- has to happen. And then a few months later, I get a call from you. <laughs> I get a call from you, and you're like, "There's this group. We're going." And you obviously you break it down. There's the Umrah Fund, part of Pilgrim. Um, we want you to come with us uh, and be part of this group. And when did when did we go? In 2018? December. December, right at the end of the year. I said I'm going this year. Right at the end of the year, we went. And even mm. and just before that, a few weeks before that, I experienced heartbreak. You know what happened? I went yeah. to Al Aqsa. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get in. So there yeah, was, was all of that heartbreak. But I was like, Ya Allah, I want to go. And I was so determined. I made my preparations and see, I got there in the end. See, the, see the beautiful thing is, right? I never knew any of that. <clears throat> yeah. like, even you didn't yeah, share yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, like, yeah. I knew about that uh, Aqsa thing, but yeah. the rest of you, I didn't know. Yeah. So imagine like, uh, on, on one side, you're going through this journey. Mm. And on the other side, I'm going through this journey, right? And yeah. and for me, it was like, you know, we, we, we needed to, you know, we had this Umrah fund. And we need to find someone who could really connect with the people mm. that we're taking. Um, and previous year, we had a few difficulties uh, in getting someone who really was able to connect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, two, two mm. kind of uh, paths and they led to the same place. Alhamdulillah. So on that note, let, take us through Umrah Fund. Obviously, Alhamdulillah, I've been part of it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Mm. Um, but what is this all about? Because there's a lot of people listening and watching right now. No idea what Umrah Fund is. No idea what us two are talking about. You know, We know each yeah. other. So what is Umrah Fund and what is this whole journey? What's the whole objective behind it? Before we actually get into some, some sure. real stories about it. Okay, so... You know, many of the kind of, you know, uh, v- viewers would, would probably know about the Grenfell Tower fire that happened mm. uh, a few years ago. It's now actually, you know, just more than two years now. And uh, subhanAllah, I was really involved in mm. kind of the response of that. And uh, I remember like after there was like something like 42 of the burials that I was involved in myself. Wow. And it came to a point somewhere along that journey where I, I kind of, I used to look at the faces. You know, just like I'm looking at you now, mm. I used to look at 
the faces of the people who had been through this. And I used to be like, Zain, what, what can you do? Yeah, like mm. do something just to put a smile on their face. Yeah, like right now you're not smiling. Like, there you go. It's like, what can I yeah. do, right? Just to make them a bit happier. Like I can't mm. change the whole situation, but maybe there's something I can do. Mm. So I start to, you know, have a, have a chat to different people and start to think about, you know, I, let me go back to my situation. Yeah. Um, and I remember like, the be- you know, really surprising thing about this year is that, you know, Grenfell Tower happened literally about seven months or so after my father passed away, mm. right? Uh, and I, I spent about two years uh, back and forth in the hospital because my father had mm. two cancers over like two, three years. Mm. So he spent a lot of time. Uh, mm. And of course, he was terminally ill in the end. And even for him, I saw him go from like someone who is very like able to mm. someone who was like unable to do mm. much in the house. And like that was my first ever funeral burial, like my mm. father's. And then here I am in the middle of Grenfell. I'm like, you know, kind of supporting like 40 mm. of the burials from everything to the burial itself to, you know, preparing the family and supporting them. And I was like, look, I've got to find something in my life that made me really come to terms with a lot of what I happened, uh, yeah. happened to me. Uh, especially like, you know, through my father and in my childhood and how can I resonate it to this situation? Yeah. How can I make a difference? thought about Umrah. I thought, right, you know what? Actually, we could take some of these people to Umrah. And at the start, it wasn't like anything that's meant to be like instrumental. Like, yeah, we'll take them on Umrah. Maybe something will happen. Maybe they'll yeah. be happy when they see, like, it was very basic, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. we thought like, maybe they'll see the car and they'll be happy, right? Like, sometimes you just think that, right? And actually, mm. it works sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Sometimes you see the car and we feel good. Um, and then I thought very quickly, actually, you know what, that's going to be hard. Like, how can I take two, three hundred people to Umrah? Like, mm. you know, that's going to cost hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And just logistics of it would be hard. So I thought, okay, fine. Well, just like these people who have lost so much, um, not just like human life, but also, you know, uh, mm. you know, their livelihoods, there's also other people who are going through so many similar tragedies yeah. and atrocities across the world, right? That we might not especially know Especially in the UK, that we don't know yeah. of, right? Uh, especially like Muslims here in the UK. And I thought, okay, well, why don't we do something um, which uses Umrah to really take these people who are facing some of the most immense hardships? And why don't we take them on a journey through Umrah mm-hmm. to try and help them heal, right? So uh, it was essentially known as the Ultimate Healing Umrah Fund. Uh, and it's today known as just simple, the Umrah mm-hmm. Fund, right? Um, so yeah, that, that's where it started. And Alhamdulillah, it started in 2017. We're now two years in. Uh, we've taken, uh, I would say, we've supported about 50 or so people now uh, through the fund. And alhamdulillah, like, I, I would really say, like, it's taken a lot of my time, but mm. I would say it's one of the best decisions I've made in terms of any of the projects, you know, that mm. I've been involved in. But it's, this is, so what we're talking about is most of these people have been fully funded to go for this Umrah trip. Mm. Everything's covered, right? And then they go there and then they, they go through, obviously, the Umrah itself. And mm. then you're spending time in Mecca, spending time in Medina with a, with a team of, of, of people. Mm. Um, and, and, and they go through this whole amazing experience. And obviously, like you said, it used to be called the Healing Umrah Fund, right? Mm. Because it was, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's that feeling when you go there for any person, even if, let's just say you're well off and you don't mm. really have much going on in that. But every person that goes there, everything we've spoken about from the beginning of this episode you, you feel that happiness, yeah. you feel that excitement, you feel that spiritual growth and everything else, right? So these people go through that whole process of 10 days to two weeks, spending time in these blessed lands and they come back. And then would you say that, like, what would you say is the, the end result after they come back, you know, after this, this long trip? The reality is, so 
going to Umrah or yeah. going to Hajj, as transformative as it is, right? Yeah. It's not going to take away your hardships. Mm, like sure. it's not, right? Yeah. You know, you could be homeless today. Going to Umrah isn't going to change you being yeah, homeless, yeah. right? You know, you could be going through like you know a divorce <clears> or something else. Umrah is not going to change that, right? Yeah. Essentially, the core of this whole program is to help people better deal with their hardships. Mm. And what better kind of theory is there out there than you know Allah's speech itself mm. uh, and the journey of Ibrahim salam, like mm. the person who went through so much trial, yeah. like that whole. And I think sometimes we forget that Umrah and Hajj, you know, isn't about the Kaaba itself. It's not about you know the Mataf area itself. It's not about Arafah, like the the mm. mountain itself. Rather, it's the journey of one man, mm. you know, his family, and some people say. Umrah family, his son is goat, right? That's literally <laughs> the journey, right? Yeah. And it's about all the sacrifices he went through, all the struggles yeah. he went through, just to have that clear connection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Mm. And every single one of these people that are chosen to go, they're going through, sim- you know, these trials. Yeah. And the idea is that how do we take them on a journey? And it's all individual. How do we take them on that individual journey? So when they come back, the outcome is that when they come across homelessness again, when they yeah face issues in their marriage again when they you know inshallah they never do but if they lose another child again or that something happens that they know that they can turn back to their faith mm. their lord and they can remember that feeling of that connection and they can use that to overcome it yeah i think it's an amazing like initiative of the project as a whole and i remember when you first told me about it and i was like wow this is so different you know no one really does this yeah there's support out there you know you have counseling there's so much mm. but to actually take a group of people that have all experienced different hardships in their life, whether it's bereavement, whether it's homelessness, poverty, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, SubhanAllah, to take them through that whole process, that journey of healing and for them to come back. And then it's not that, you know, I know, I know, because I know you personally, I know what the process is. It's not that mm-hmm. even once you come back, that's it, you leave them to it. You're actually still in touch with them. You still try to help them out, which is, which, which is really amazing. I want to talk about, you know, even our trip, for example, just mm-hmm. last year, um, the kind of, the kind of uh, people that we had so hard, like <laughs> wow me going there I did not expect it man yeah. I had no idea what was going to happen like, yeah. you gave me a kind of brief overview alright this is the kind of stuff you can't prepare do for it, it but you can't wow take us through come on, some of the pilgrims that we had with us okay um, I don't know where, I don't know what to say yeah. there's so much right yeah. um, uh, uh, let's start off with you know maybe let's start off with some of the more challenges right mm. then we can talk about yeah, sure. you know the, the beauty and the the amazing successes that, you know, Alhamdulillah, the program's been blessed to have. You know, the challenges are that, you know, we, we're essentially taking people who already are facing so much in their lives. Yeah. And they come in all forms of hardships. They come from all different cultures and mm. backgrounds, right? You're not like, you know, sometimes when you take a group from the UK, mm. right, it might be from the Pan-Asian community or it might be from the Somali community. So they usually go in groups with their communities. Yeah, yeah. So in the masjid, the local community goes, so they speak the same dialects, they speak yeah. the ling- language, they have the same cultural, you know, indifferences. But in this group, you know, as you saw, mm. it's people from like different dialects, yeah. different languages. Um, and essentially, like, they all come with history which is unique to them mm. like and even though they might have patterns of hardship between them they all have their own unique like struggles that they're still dealing with then mm. and so the one of the key stories that comes to mind which i think uh, taught me a huge lesson uh, in just how much someone can go through is um an individual who i think you know i i'm not going to say his name but i'll, I'll tell you this story and you'll know who 
I think really went through so much and we saw that even in Umrah. Mm. Uh, I think you guys will know him as the vanisher, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, and I say the vanisher because he, he disappeared, bro. Like, he just, uh, I remember, right, there was one part where he deceived me, like, no, not like as a person, right? I'm yeah. saying like, I, I started questioning my eyes and my yeah, intellect yeah. and my like logic. So there's a point, right? He said, look, Zayn, I need to go to the toilets, right? So he used to always be around me because, you know, I didn't want him to get lost. And like, you know, whenever whenever you go to Umrah, I think, you know, many people who are on Hajj, they'll know they build a family. Mm. Uh, I think with the Umrah fund, I have to treat, you know, not, not just myself, but the team has to treat these people like they're not just our brothers and sisters, but actually we owe so much to them. Mm. And we have to look after them in that way. Like, it's not like, mm. you know, you know, when you have a group that's paying you to go Umrah or Hajj, you look after them, yeah. right? This group, right, Alhamdulillah, you know, really generous donors are paying for them, but we have to look after them even more. Yeah. And so I used to always be around him and he said, look, I'm going to the toilet. And I said, all right, cool. So I sat there, right? And I watched and I watched him and I watched him and then... He just disappeared, bro. Like, I don't know where he went. And he said he's going to the toilet. Five minutes went, 10 minutes went by. I thought, he can't be in the toilet. Like, you know, yeah. he can't be in the toilet for that long. So, like, 20 minutes later, I went. And I went through the whole toilet. Like, in, out, up, you know, downstairs, underground. He's, he's gone. Like, he's just disappeared. I saw him, like, six hours later, right? So um, and I'm sure, you know, like, even on the day back. Uh, yeah. So, like, so innocent. Yeah, so innocent. Um, 4.30 a.m., the coach comes to go to uh, back to Jeddah, right? We're going yeah. from Medina to Jeddah. Everyone's like, look, guys, you know, and you know, you say this, right? Everyone says this on Umrah and Hajj. If you're not here, we're going to leave you. Like, yeah. No one ever leaves anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone comes back. And we said to him, like, you know, you got to be there. And the coach is here. He's like, you know, sh- you know, saying to us, look, we need to go. We're going to get late. We're going to miss the plane. And he's nowhere to be seen. We sent like a search party out into the Prophet's uh, mm-hmm. mosque. And Alhamdulillah, we find him. Um, but what's very striking about him is that you know, when he, uh, you know, in this country, uh, he's a revert. Mm. And uh, he was uh, someone who, he was the first person in his family to revert to Islam. Mm. And actually, at the point of him going to Umrah, subhanAllah, he taught, he had to tell his mother on the day. Literally, mm. on the day, in the airport, I remember him making that call. And there was about three, four weeks before that I was speaking to him saying, look, I think you should tell your family now because they don't want to worry, etc., etc., etc." He was like, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't because they'll stop me from going or they won't let me go. So I said to him, look, you know, we, we need to think about all these different things. Mm. How are you going to manage it? You know, you don't want them calling the police and saying my son's missing when you're out there. You know, that's not going to be good for you or even, you know, there's, there's going to be so much to deal with. But he was like, no, then I can't because I need to go. I need to mm. go to Umrah, you know, and I just know that it's not going to work out. And he had to, like, take his luggage, like, a few days before. Like, he had to hide it and move it. And so, mm. like, we think it's so easy, right? Mm. We tell our friends and family, we go in Umrah, we get the blessings, we pack our bags, we go airport, right? Someone drops us off. And this individual, like, even in his own home, you know, the reason, alhamdulillah, he was selected is because he had been through loads of things in the past, like abuse, um, and even in his own family and home, he was going through abuse. Like he wasn't allowed to pray. Um, mm. He had to hide and make sure that he could practice religion. Um, and he had loads, loads of kind of uh, issues in, in, when it came to education. Um, and he was a bit different, you know, mm. he was a bit different. Yeah. And so sometimes he didn't get along with social groups and people. I think he went through, bu- you know, he went through bullying and stuff. So yeah. For me, like, and even, like, I remember in Umrah, right, people used to say, oh, that's Zayn's special friend, you know, mm-hmm. the special one, because Zayn that is always around him. And 
you know, I remember, bro, like, we were going to the Prophet's mosque to give salam. Like, you were going, right? I remember you were going, we were all going in a group. Halfway there, like, he was said to me, look, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. right? He said, I can't do this right now. I don't want to do this. And I stopped. And I remember, like, you guys went, right? And how long was it? Like, two did, hours yeah, or something? Did you did it, finished, prayed, did everything we needed to, came back. And I was there. I was still there at that pillar with him, like, just talking to him. And literally, like, I'll tell you, like, I was just talking about, like, you know, why don't you want to do it right now? And he just didn't feel like, he, he didn't feel like he was ready right now to go and meet, you know, his prophet. And he wanted another day just to prepare himself. Mm. Um, so these are just some of the things that, you know, we have to deal with. But yeah. uh, Alhamdulillah, it's, Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's he wasn't the, He wasn't the only revert. There were, there were a few other reverts no. as well. Um, like we said, you had people dealing with, um, when we say bereavement, it's not just, you know, I've lost my, you know, one of my parents or something. We're talking about losing multiple people several. from the family, several people in the family. Grenfell, we spoke about Grenfell, we had a Grenfell survivor with us as well. Imagine seeing that, the horror of everything, knowing people who have been lost, mm. neighbours, friends, family. So we had we had a, a wide range of people mm. who, who experienced a lot of difficulties. Um, we even had one brother you can maybe speak about who, um, I think I thought out of the lot, he was very unique as in, I didn't expect someone to experience that. Okay, bereavement, depression, mental health. You can, yeah. you can, you can kind of like, Guess okay. You can imagine that it's happening. Yeah, you around can imagine. You, right? But there was one brother in particular. Obviously, again, we won't we won't mention his name. Um, but what he had went through, the torture that he yeah. had went through. Um, I've never yeah. had a story like it. I think Take I, I remember that. you were there. So like, yeah. you know, I think I think we, you know, Alhamdulillah, like he's he's okay with us sharing some of it. So you know, brother Basit. Mm. Um, I think even I remember you were like I remember that session. So you know, for for, for obviously you know the audience. Yeah. Uh, in Makkah, we try to bring everyone together mm. so that they can share that story. You know, they usually go through their lives where some of them keep a lot of these things in, mm. and this is an opportunity in Makkah that we always do where we allow them to really talk to each other. Um, sometimes because it allows them to see someone else's hardship, and sometimes they inst like, bro. Like you were there, like someone who's gone through so much in in in, mm. in terms of you know comparison to us, even they turn around. They're like, oh, what I'm going through is nothing because mm. I've just heard someone else say something. Yeah. And I think you know the reason why you're picking it up is because this brother's story was one of those. Yeah. Um, but Abbasid, subhanallah, he uh, he's a beautiful character, bro. Yeah, like, he I, he's a beautiful character. Um, I think you will agree. The thing that comes out of his mouth the most is Alhamdulillah. Like you yeah. ask him, do you want tea? Alhamdulillah. Are you okay? Alhamdulillah. How are you feeling? Everything is just yeah, Alhamdulillah yeah. first, right? He pray, praises the Lord in like all circumstances. But the Basit story is that, you know, he was on a trip. He was on a trip abroad in his home country. And uh, unfortunately, like something happened and he was falsely imprisoned. And unfortunately, you know, in many other countries abroad, that system of justice takes a mm. long time. Uh, and unfortunately, maybe some of that, that, the justice system, it takes time to figure out what the truth is. Mm. And this brother went through five years, like initially like 45 days of interrogation. And then he was in prison for five years, mm. right? And you were there, like he said to us, right? And this, I, I heard this for the first time mm. when I was in Makkah. He said that the day they released him, they said to him, sorry. Like, sorry, we got the wrong guy. That was it. That was it. Like, no no apology, no compensation. Like, here in this country, you get false imprisonment, you yeah. get compensation, like, nothing. Right? No compensation, no, like, you know, let us help rebuild your yeah. life. We've just taken away five years. You know, he had two children. He had, he had two children that he left behind. One of them was recently born mm. uh, when he was falsely imprisoned. And so he didn't get to see her childhood. He missed out on both of those. There's one thing where you are f away from 
you know, your wife, your family, mm-hmm. and your children for five years. And there's another thing where I remember, do you remember the story he said to us that by the end of it, the way he dealt with it was he used to laugh. <laughs> he used to laugh. Yeah. And there was once he said to us, they were literally, he was saying to us the story where he had asked for water. He was screaming, I want water, I want water, and they weren't giving it to him. And then when, you know, when he ha- was given the water, he just laughed. Yeah, he just smiled and smiled and smiled and laughed. And he found that's the way he kind of dealt with it. And of course, there was so much that he didn't share with us mm-hmm. uh, that he was keeping in. Uh, but I think for someone like him, the beauty of the journey, and I, I'm, I'm really glad why he was nominated, is that he said to us that after you know he was kind of in a home with his family, he had always re- you know wanted to go to Umrah. And unfortunately, like he now had a slip disc, so he had back problems, mm-hmm. he had walking problems, he couldn't walk, he used to use a walking mm-hmm. stick. He used to have nightmares. So there was so much. Umrah was like the last thing that he could, you know, get to. He was like so far, so far mm. away in the distance for him. And he had, you know, come back and he settled down. And he was like, you know what, I would really love to go to Umrah. And he was speaking to, I think he was speaking to his family about his friends. And they said to him, look, you know what, why don't you just wait for a bit? Wait for a bit, inshallah, you'll go in time. Um, you just come back, you know, mm. you know, let's just get things settled. And then, subhanAllah, we turned up at his door. Um, he was actually nominated by one of his close friends who mm. you know, had been along with him all the way. Um, and then we turned up in Birmingham. We knocked on his door. Obviously, he was in his tracksuit. I think he was just having a you know, a Saturday night in, right? Mm. Uh, we knocked on his door and he was like, and this is something we had to think about, right? Mm. You know, he, he's been in this scenario. And of course, when we were surprising him, we wanted to surprise him with loads of people, with flowers, yeah. with chocolates. We do the whole thing because it's a gift, mm. you know? Even though these people are being funded to go, it's still a gift. Yeah. You know, first of all, it's a gift from Allah. Second of all, it's a gift from the community of Muslims around the world who believe that these people are deserving mm. and that they deserve to go on this trip. You know, it's not one of those things that it's a hand me down. You know, Umrah yeah. isn't. You know, this whole program and Umrah isn't a hand me down. It's a gift to say, you know what, you've been through so much. This can support you, help you, uh, and. When we were there, we gave him the gifts and stuff. He was like shocked. He was like, oh my God, what, what is going on? And I think part of him was worried and scared. Like a lot of people are. Like I've been in homes and the father's like, what are you doing in my home? Get out. Like, who are you? And all this stuff. Like I remember once I knocked on a door and the, the, the daughter who'd been uh, communicating with us and she nominated her father, she let us in. So the mother knows, the two daughters know, right? Even the cat knows, right? But the father doesn't know. So he's like, who's this? And he's like shocked. And he's like, get out of my house and stuff. Like, Hold on a minute, right? <laughs> So yeah, we surprised him and uh, alhamdulillah, like, you know, just a few weeks ago, I was on a voice call with him, Eid day actually, um, he was in, at the Eid fair and uh, alhamdulillah, he's doing so much better right now. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. It's, just ama- it's just amazing and, and you know, hearing all of those stories, we've spoken about this before, it just it makes you realise that whatever we're going through, these hardships, trust me, you hear stories about people being in prison for five years, being tortured in the process, losing several members of their family, mm. grandfather survivors, reverts who have to hide their faith. You hear stories about Sahaba doing it. Yeah. People here on our doorstep doing the same thing, you know. You hear these stories and you think, SubhanAllah, what am I complaining about? Yeah. You know, well, I, I lost my job, you know. Okay, I, I missed lunch today. Mm. This, this kind of stuff we're complaining about, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, SubhanAllah. Do you, know, do you know what brings that to mind? I, mm. I just want to share one more story, yeah. right? So, And this one you'll know as well, so because... The beautiful thing is you taught him, like you taught him how to recite mm. the first few verses of some of the surahs of the Quran. Mm. Like you did that. So like, you know, that is like, and so this gentleman, Peter, as you know, right? And yeah. I think for 
his story was brilliant because he went through 20 years mm. uh, he shared with us how he went to every religion so yeah. he was a buddhist he was a christian right he went through every single religion right and he practiced it well and then he came to islam mm. right and throughout his life he he'd been homeless and he told us how the moment he became a muslim it, imagine this right as he became a buddhist as he became a christian all these other religions he was, his life was okay right in some sense as in like not spiritually but like mm. marriage was okay <clears throat> work was okay things were okay soon as he became a muslim things started to go downhill mm. yeah of course like in terms of this world right this is what it is right yeah. where soon as we take that oath and soon as we take that oath to islam we see the struggles mm. because that's that's what it takes to to reach the jannah inshallah yeah. right and he told us how you know unfortunately his wife left she took the children so he instantly found himself living a completely different life without the people mm. he loved and then you know he had to move into you know his mother's house because he was homeless for a while he didn't have you know jobs uh, and he was finding a really struggle and you know we already know that minorities you know in our communities in mm. the UK they suffer a lot uh, but a minority community and a muslim suffer even mm. more and he used to be bullied like he used to say to me uh, even when you and Umar were speaking he used to say to me that you know he was polish and even in his own where he, the, like, like the place he was staying this uh, hostel he used to be abused yeah. like people used to hit him sometimes you couldn't even go back home because mm. he was worried whether they would hit him whether they would let him sleep at night it's like like you can't imagine it because mm. you think this stuff happens in prison right yeah, where you have to traumatic. sleep with one eye open but he's having to do this in a hostel which is supposed to be, you know you know be a safe space mm. for him and i think you'll agree like he's like the most philosophical guy yeah, yeah, right yeah. he must have like <clears throat> philosophy is his thing right yeah. he can talk about the trees like i saw like after umrah he done a video and he was like sharing like he was like literally like on the screen right and he was like you see this tree behind me this is nature this is life green is the element <laughs> if you can't feel the nature then how will you feel islam and i was like brilliant this is beautiful <laughs> right and i think you know even for him like the day we surprised him guess where he was wow. he was on a dawah stand he was giving dawah out wow. so imagine even though he's going through all this stuff in his yeah. life he was still holding on to part of the faith that you know what i've become a muslim now mm. let me see what i can do and he was volunteering and the brothers who nominated him used to say that he used to travel up to 10 15 kilometers on foot or on one of those bikes just to go and help and volunteer at one of these dawah stands wow. like some of us we have it like across the road and we yeah, still don't yeah, go yeah. and help and so even for him uh, i remember when he was on umrah he was like i've waited 20 years for this mm. you know he used to say that you know what i've waited 20 years to come to a place where everything has fallen into place alhamdulillah he's got a job now and um, like it really pleases me because now he he's he's built a relationship with his uh, wife again and he's seeing his children like last week he was mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of these fun fairs with his uh, children as well so he's seeing his daughters again mm-hmm. um so yeah it's beautiful and it was all possible like some some people out there might say look maybe umrah you didn't need to go to umrah to do that right mm-hmm. but umrah is part of that journey mm-hmm. right and it's part of that journey that Allah decided for them mm-hmm. and um Yeah. He he's our modern day Salman al Farisi man. Yeah, you know, like bro, just going like through that every religion, every every, religion, everything, every, yeah. every place he's been to, and then alhamdulillah comes to Islam. Finally, 
and Umrah and in that blessed land, it all falls into place. And what I think the amazing thing is seeing their results afterwards. You know, you just mentioned one example there of Peter, how he's back with his family. He's got a job now. He's, you know, things are slowly falling into place. You know, we had we had a couple with us as well. Alhamdulillah, they came back after that journey. Before that, they lost, you know, a few children. Uh, Really, really sad story. Their actual, uh, you know, they lost three children. One of their actual anniversary, which is literally two days ago. So like, they're like one year away from what just happened then. yeah yeah exactly and but alhamdulillah they've, they've come back yeah. from that trip um and you know they they've been signing up for classes they've been studying Your classes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah alhamdulillah yeah. uh they've started their own charity up in charity projects yeah. up in africa in 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 memory of their children um getting active yeah. volunteering at different initiatives it's, it's, it's just amazing to see that you know you're part of that process let's really quickly speak about um, you know, because still a lot of people are, it's, it's still a very vague idea that what is this Umrah mm. fun thing? So just quickly take us through the process. You know, there okay. might be people listening that might be going through hardships sure. themselves yeah. or you might know someone. So okay. how can someone go for Umrah with, with the group? Okay. So essentially it's a, it's a nomination program. Yeah. So the idea is that if you, you know, if you're listening out there and you know someone who has gone through immense hardship and now mm. this, this question, what is hardship? Yeah. Right? Like what is hardship? It's something that we've intentionally decided not to categorize or define, or qualify, right? Yeah. Because you can't. Like yeah. every single person, like, you know, the stories that we just shared, right? You know, someone might say, well, I've been through that, but I can deal with it, right? But mm. every single person's hardship is different. And so the idea is that, you know, the person has to has to be from the UK, mm. right? For now, for now, our program's in the UK, inshallah, maybe in the future we'll go, you know, more national, inshallah. global. But for now, it's in the UK. And the idea <clears> is that <throat> if you know someone who yeah. has gone through several trials, right? And I know, you know, in this day and age, you know, losing your job, you know, is difficult. Yeah. I know going through a divorce is difficult. But we're looking for those nominations that there's patterns, mm. you know? For example, in the case of let's say you know uh, Peter or even you know Basil others one thing led to another to another to mm-hmm. another to another and there was like it's that tunnel that doesn't have that light yeah right it's that tunnel that you just bro it's like the central line yeah you just have to keep going <laughs> and going and going right yeah. and essentially these individuals that you're thinking of might have gone through you know let's say the loss of one child Mm. But then because of the loss of that child, they had issues in their marriage. Mm. That then led them to going through depression. That Mm. then led them to going through other things. So, and everyone, like, you know, you might think that you don't know, you do, right? Every single one of us knows someone that has gone through so much in their lives that we know that actually, you know what? Imagine they went on to this program that took them to Umrah, and, but then there was stuff, you know, there's support classes before it, then the Umrah and then afterwards that could really help change their lives. So what happens is that, you can go and you can nominate anyone mm. you want, um, anyone between like 18 onwards, you know, you can nominate. And then there's a process uh, where we have, alhamdulillah, we have external people that come. Mm. A lot of them are experts. Um, in, and then they look at some of these nominations. And when they're looking through these nominations, they're not deciding whose hardship is worse than others. Yeah. What they're doing is they're seeing the program that we have, can it help these people? Right? Can these people come onto this journey with us and come out of it even stronger? Mm. So that they, when they come in, just like you said, these, this couple, can they come back to their communities stronger so that they can deal with their own hardships, that they can be of benefit to themselves and Islam and the Muslim community mm. around them, right? And society at large. And so the panel will then pick their shortlist. And then, so how it works is that you can nominate someone else. So we always engage with the person who's nominating. So let's say you nominate someone, right? So yeah. we'll get in touch with you. We'll say to you, look, the person you've nominated has been shortlisted. 
can we organize a surprise for them right mm. so up throughout this journey all the way to the moment we surprise a person the person who's been nominated doesn't know yeah. which is why you get a lot of people like shock like who are you where are you here and all this yeah, stuff yeah. we've surprised people in the gym we've surprised <laughs> people outside tesco we've surprised people outside the masjid yeah. we've surprised people uh in their homes everywhere like even yeah. restaurants like all every every single place you can think of we've surprised people and you know once we do the surprise we then put them on this kind of support where essentially like the, even though the umrah might last up to a week and a half mm. that journey with us lasts about three months <clears throat> right yeah. and what we try and do is we try and have a few sessions with them before so that they can meet uh the guides they can meet the team they can meet each other they can share mm. their stories so that they can learn about umrah itself yeah. that they can learn about the struggles of ibrahim alayhi salam they can learn that journey so that they really start to understand where they are in life now Mm. And what they hope to achieve from this journey. Then uh, the day comes. Uh, they they come to you know the airport. Some of them forget the ihram. <laughs> some of them send their ihram in, and it goes into the hole. And they're like, oh my god! And then yeah. we have to send someone out. <laughs> literally, like you were there, right? Yeah, yeah. And we literally had two people send it. Even though we said to them, don't send your ihram, and don't send your ihram. They sent their ihram in, and then we had to go out and then get them a new one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then you know they go they go to Jeddah and then we go to Makkah they do the first Umrah and always we do a second or third because you know I remember the first ever trip um, from all the people who were on the trip mm. there was about 31 people that collectively everyone had lost so that's mm. the number of people that that group had lost in the last mm. few years that's children that's you know spouses that's parents uh, that's a, that's a large number for a, a group of fifty. Yeah. You know, that's literally every person losing one or two people, mm. um, and so you know we we support them with that. And then what we try to do is we try to have two kind of processes in that trip. One is that individual one to one, which myself or the team members will spend time with them, learning about them, what is it that they need, um, you know, what are they worried about, what they can mm. they think about, and then we try to have like yourself, we did where we have structured classes mm. um, and we're trying to get better at this every year. Yeah. So Alhamdulillah, you know, you, we were blessed to have you there and we did the beautiful Fajr sessions, the Quran sessions, we did Nasihas mm. and, you know, I think sometimes you don't need to do too much extra. Yeah. Sometimes just them engaging in that session, mm. uh, just them being on Arafah and learning about that, it's a chance that they thought they'd never have. You mm. know, when someone's sleeping, um, you know, just come out of homelessness and they're trying to get a job and they're scraping food and they're, you know that whole uh, hand to mouth life yeah. they're not thinking about you no know, you know what I could be in umrah next year uh, sorry yeah. next week um and then when they come back we try to inshallah and we're trying to get better at this as well we try to have someone who will support them for at least mm. a few more weeks now we're not saying that we're going to be able to get them a job we're not saying that we're going to be able to change their lives completely around but the idea is that we try to connect them up with people yeah. or to sessions or to different things that can help them do that um but the reality is, uh, even from the first trip to now, like we don't like. Even we might say three months, but we don't lose contact, and you can't. Mm, like yeah, it's one of those true. things you build that friendship, yeah. uh, and you know you you stay friends, and you you feel like you owe them a duty as a Muslim. Forget mm. the program. Like you know, once you've gone on that journey and you see someone in hardship, you owe them that duty as a yeah. Muslim to to make sure that they're okay. How can we find you guys and uh, how can people put the nominations in? How can people donate as well? Okay. So uh, our website, umrafund.co.uk. So simple yeah. as that. Uh, you can go there. We actually have a few programs that people can nominate for. So uh, one of the ones that I'm actually looking forward to. So the reality is that, alhamdulillah, even though we've done a few groups now, mm. um, 
we've realized that there are groups of people that we've not been able to take. Mm. So we always, always get nominations for people with disabilities, mm. special needs. And, you know, Makkah and Medina and the Kaaba is every Muslims. Like, yeah. it's not just for us who can walk, yeah. you know, just so, you know, just because Allah has blessed us with two feet that can walk doesn't mean that we have a right over, mm. uh, you know, the Kaaba and, and, you know, being able to do Umrah than someone who hasn't. And, you know, a lot of people think that actually, oh, these people need a wheelchair. No, they don't need a wheelchair. It's not just a wheelchair, right? Mm. People who have these additional needs, like even if you have a son who has autism or something else, essentially, like, there's so much around that Umrah journey. And unfortunately, the reality is, you know, today, a lot of the Umrah trips or the Hajj trips that we have, mm. you know, there's so much already going on. It's very hard to cater for people with additional needs. Yeah. And so unless you have a carer or unless you have, you know, someone or a son or, uh, you know, a daughter or someone who can look after you, it's very hard uh, to send someone with special mm. needs. Um, and so you can go on www.umrahfund.co.uk and nominate. It's just a simple form. Um, and inshallah, you can nominate for the various programs. And one of the ones that you can is, um, inshallah, we're hoping to do this next year, uh, early next year, is a, a group dedicated uh, to people with special needs and, and kind of, you know, additional kind of mm. needs like that. Mashallah. Amazing, amazing work. Jazakallah uh, khair. I want to reward you and, and the whole team for, for all your efforts. And definitely for anyone watching and listening, um, put nominations in. We all know someone going through hardship. Uh, and who knows, there might be a, a chance for one of these people to go for one of these Umrah trips in the near future, inshallah. Um, Brother Zain, it's been a pleasure. There's so much so more so we much. can talk about. End of the day, it's Mecca, it's Medina, it's, it's Haramain. We could speak about it all day. Um, but as always, we appreciate you and all, all, all your efforts and all your work. Uh, inshallah. Uh, we wish you all the best with all of the projects, inshallah. Uh, and uh, may Allah SWT bless you and the whole team. I mean, Zakhullah Khairan. And to everyone else, inshallah, of course, do check out Umrah Fund uh, and support their work, inshallah. Uh, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this podcast and benefited, especially all of the other tips surrounding Umrah and Hajj, inshallah. Make that niyyah uh, and may Allah SWT for those of us who have not been, may Allah invite us there. And for those of us who have been, may Allah invite us again and again, inshallah. I mean, make dua for us in these blessed, blessed days of Dhul Hijjah. Have a blessed Eid Mubarak from me and the whole Elmfi team. And uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe on iTunes. And we hope to see you again soon. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.